we're going through spiritual authority, actually understanding spiritual authority, and uh, this is lesson number six in this series, understanding spiritual authority, and uh, I hope that so far it's it's been both a blessing and a challenge to you. We're going to be talking about authority in the home in a few weeks as well, uh, and that's kind of part of it, but right now we're kind of focusing on talking about uh, authority in the church and authority in the government as well. From Romans 13 and verses 1 and 2, this is kind of has been our, our theme for this particular series. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the, the power resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. I don't want to be... I don't want to receive damnation, and I know you don't either, so so this is a very important subject, and really, I mean, all sin will send you to hell, but there's not too many things in Scripture where the Bible expressly goes out of the way and said, this will let you receive damnation if you don't get this right, and, uh, you know, I got to be honest, you know, I've seen this spiritual authority where saints and sinners alike have not understood it. And it's really important to understand spiritual authority. And understand this basic premise, premise, that when you meet authority, you meet God in some way. When you meet authority of any kind, you meet God's authority. God is the one who set up institutional authority in the earth. Now, think of what it would be like if he had not have done that. It would have been chaos. It would have been like it was before Adam was created. Matter of fact, it, it can be even said that God created Adam for the purpose of having dominion in the earth. So from that perspective, you know, before Adam was created, you know, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Deep, of course, means waters, as you know. So maybe there was ice there because there was no sun, there was no heat, and it was just chaos. And so whenever God began to create the world, the Bible says he saw that it was good. And it is good. He, he looked out and he saw the vegetables, that they were good. He saw the trees, that they were good. He saw life, how it filled the ocean. He saw that were good. He saw the wild beasts that roamed the earth. That was good. But he said, it's all good, but, but it's not in my perfect will yet until he created Adam. And then he saw, said this to Adam, Genesis 1 and 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air, and over, every, over the cattle and the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So now this, this authority here may not be an exact represent, representation of the kind of authority that we have in the earth at this exact moment. When you consider the fact that we have forms of government that are not, in, or that are not designed to give people freedoms. Okay, we've got communism, for example. Um, we've, we've, we've got democracy, which we have here in America. I believe that's the greatest form of government that we have currently that there is, that there ever will be. Um, then we've got various economic systems. Uh, you've got uh, socialism, uh, and, you, and you, you have capitalism that seem to be at war with each other. Uh, but nevertheless, God created the authority that exists in the earth at a very large scale. Adam had authority and dominion over everything in the earth in the very beginning. That type of dominion was an easy dominion because all the earth was at that time subjected perfectly to God's will. So, for example, there were no thorns and thistles and, and roots and rocks that Adam had to tear up in order to produce uh, the, the things from the earth that God gave him to, to produce from the earth. His, his job was to till the ground from whence he was taken. 
And so it was an easy thing. There was a good environment. He didn't have to worry about too much rain or too little rain. He didn't have to worry about roots and, and thorns and thistles springing out. All that came after, after the fall. So there was so because everything was in subjection to God's perfect will, there was no abuse of authority. And everything that fell under that authority fell under God's eternal blessing, and that's the way God designed it. Now, this is where people get mixed up, is they say, well, because certain people in authority abuse their authority, then they get rebellious against that authority. But it goes back to this. When you meet authority, you still meet God. And remember Nero, who was persecuting Christians horribly in the first century. Um, you know, history says that he would... He would sew them up in wild animal skins and have the wild animals tear them up. You know, the wild beasts in front of, you know, thousands as they would look on and cheer. He would make, he would make Christians fight gladiators. Um, he, would, he would burn their bodies in the streets for, uh, for night candles uh, and many other things he did. And yet, Peter said, pray for the king in that day. So, because they understood when you meet authority, you meet God. I think... That in America, we think that because we disagree with each other, that we hate each other. That's not the truth. You can disagree with somebody and not hate them and even like them. You may not agree with some of the things that I've said from this very series, and that's fine. I hope you still like me. I don't hate you. <laughs> you better not hate me because if you don't, then you're not going to be in heaven. <laughs> you have to love me, okay? Sorry to bring the bear of bad news, but you, you have to love everybody. But Jesus said this, Matthew 11 and verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly and in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. How does God lead? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's easy to follow somebody that you know cares deeply for you. That's really what it boils down to. Is, you know, leaders, governmental leaders, Civil leaders, leaders on your job, leaders in the church, in and out of the church, everywhere you find a leader, a good leader knows this, that if people know that you love them, then it's a lot easier for them to follow you. And so because of that, it's easy to follow Jesus as a leader because he loves us. And we know that whatever he does is for our profit and for our good. So God is a holy God who demands holiness and obedience, but he's also a kind-hearted, loving father who leads with love, and that makes it easy for him to follow. Now, that's the way leadership was designed by God in the beginning. However, as I said, after the fall, sin entered into the human race. Along with sin comes pride, rebellion, egos, hatred, division, strife, unforgiveness, politic playing, and many other such-like things. And along with that is when people become riled up and it makes it difficult to follow those kind of leaders. As in the case of King Saul, God chose a leader, God chose a leader, but King Saul made choices to follow God or not to follow God. And King Saul made his own choices as to what he would do with the gifts that God put into him. And God still is the one that sets up leaders and kings and sets them down. Again, when you meet authority, you meet God. Daniel 2 and 21 says this. Daniel said, <coughs> excuse me, and he changeth the times and the seasons. Who removes kings? God does. God removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the no understanding. 
He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. Remember that this was spoken by the prophet Daniel regarding God setting up King Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom. But wait, Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon. Babylon is notorious for its blaspheme and debauchery. So much that you know God used it as an example in many places calling even Jerusalem spiritual Babylon. In many other cities that God was going to sit down, he said, you're not exactly Babylon, but in the spirit, you've got the same spirit that they had. Because they were idolaters. And so was King Nebuchadnezzar. But yet, here we have it that Daniel said, God set you up, King Nebuchadnezzar, even though he was an idolater. After all, God is the one that sets up the good kings, but the devil sets up the bad ones, doesn't he? The ones we don't like, or the ones we don't agree with, or the ones that are too forward, or too this, or too that, or too proud, or too arrogant. When, when somebody gets elected that we like, God set him up. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody gets elected that he didn't get, West God, we're out of God's will, and the devil set him up. Or her up. And, you know, people love to justify the rebellion. That's really what it boils down to. But God even uses evil things for his good purposes. And while God does not necessarily choose, I don't think, this is just my opinion, take it for what it's worth, it's free, take it or leave it. But I don't, think, I don't know if God chooses evil leaders necessarily, but I think he uses evil leaders. And he uses them to bring about prophecy because the foreknowledge of God knew what was going to happen before it even began. God knows what's going to happen in November this year. He knows what's going to happen in four years and in 400 years. It is not going to surprise God at all. So whatever happens shouldn't worry you because it's not worried God. It's all going to come about. It's all written in Scripture, and the church is going to be okay. And you know what? If you stay in the will of God, then so will you. You stay in God's will and you pay your tithes. I'm not saying every, you know, everything's going to be hunky-dory in your life, but I promise you, you will have peace in your life. In the end of you will be peace. So in the case of King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, God was using an evil foreign power to punish God's own people and bring them back into covenant relationship with God. And that was probably without question, if not the main purpose, as to why God allowed to set up King Nebuchadnezzar. Now here's the other side to that, is that if... If, if Israel had walked in their covenant relationship, there would never have had to be a King Nebuchadnezzar. And I wonder if sometimes, you know, if the church would be the church, we can impact and affect a lot of things. Amen. If the church would be the church, if the church would, uh, would pray for God's will to be done in our nation, I believe that God can send us the right person that would that would that he would use. And so on the other hand, uh, it's good to know that God is in control and that the devil is not because the devil does not set up leaders. God does. Daniel 2 and 36 says this. I'm going to read down to verse 45. This is, you know, if, if you know prophecy at all, this is kind of a famous passage. It says, this is the dream and we will tell thee in the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings for the God of heaven has set up your kingdom power, hath given thee a kingdom power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into your hand, and made you ruler over them all, thou art his head of gold. 
And after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to you, another, and another third of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. For as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all iron, and as iron that breaks all these things shall it break in pieces and bruise. He goes on, verse 41, And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in of it the strength of the iron, for as much as you saw the iron mixed with clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas you saw the iron mixed with the miry clay, they will mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they will not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings... So the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it will break in pieces and consume all these other kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. So King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Daniel interpreted it. That's what we see. In King, in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream that was interpreted by Daniel, God revealed to King Nebuchadnezzar the plan for the kings and the kingdoms that would rule the earth up until and even through the time of the Messiah. First, he saw an image of gold, and then there was uh, uh, the breast and the arms, or sorry, the head was of gold, and then the breast and the arms were silver, and the belly and thighs are made of brass, the legs are made of iron. And the feet were part iron and part clay. I don't have time to go through prophecy here because i got seven minutes left. Okay? Seven minutes is not enough time. Probably 70 years is not enough time to talk about all the things you could talk about this. But King Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. His kingdom was, was a golden kingdom. And, and indeed, Babylon was a very rich and wealthy nation. The Medial Persians Empire was the arms of silver that would arise right after, right after Babylon. Once Babylon fell, the Medial Persian would rule the earth. Greece was the bronze. So this is, you know, Alexander the Great, of course, was in himself Greek. And here we see we we see a prophecy of of how how the Greece the you know the Greeks would rule the earth. And and so they were the brass and the bronze. Then there was Rome. That was the, you know the Iron Roman Empire. They say so. So they were the. Uh, they were the iron. And then the kingdom of, of God was the kingdom that will never be removed. If you're in the kingdom of God today, you're a part of a kingdom that is forever going to stand. Every kingdom rises and every kingdom falls as we see history. Unfortunately, eventually, even America, Russia, China, all of them will eventually fall somehow in some way in the years to come or centuries to come. However, the kingdom of God will forever and forever stand. So God revealed to Daniel what he was going to do long before it happened. And God showed it to King Nebuchadnezzar to show that a heathen king, to show a heathen king that God was in charge and that King Nebuchadnezzar was not. Because here's another secret. God is sovereign over all the earth. Here's another part of this that we don't often think about is the spiritual aspect of all this. Is that Daniel had been fasting for 21 days later on in Daniel 10, uh, verse 21 says this. Uh, then he said unto me, this is the angel speaking to Daniel, after he's fasted 21 days. Daniel, from the first day that you didst set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before thy God, the words were heard, and I am come before I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, and lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. Daniel's revelation through prayer and fasting were hindered by the prince of Persia. Now watch this in verse 20. Then he said, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? 
And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Greece shall come. So remember that Greece came after Persia in that prophecy that we just went through, okay? The prince of Persia was replaced by the prince of Greece. Greece came after the Persians ruled, okay? The Medes and the Persians. So these princes, or rather they were, they were princes or princes of darkness that were pointing to the fact that nations and earthly kingdoms often and usually always have spiritual satanic forces that are over them and are, and are assigned to those particular countries to deceive the people and to resist the kingdom of God from being established in those countries. These spirits resist God and his kingdom, and the satanic, these satanic forces are territorial, and they are not united. That's why the prince of Persia was at war with the prince of Greece. And whenever we are at war among ourselves, we most resemble the satanic kingdom, not God's kingdom. Because God's kingdom is united. Amen. Satan wants to divide, and when he divides, we're just, in, we're just mimicking his own kingdom. His kingdom is not united. Amen. And so civil leaders are set up to bring about prophecy. Here's a secret you must know in Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. To them who are other called according to his purpose. All things are working together for the good of the church. Even the bad things that might seem happen. It's all working together. And so everything is working together for the good of the church to bring about prophecy that will come to pass. Even the bad rulers help bring about this, these prophetic things. You know, you can look on you know, various leaders, you know, whether it's in our, uh, in our own country or world leaders, that we would deem evil and wicked, and indeed they are, and they will be held accountable for their sins. However, during their rule, much prophetic things have came to pass under their rulership. You can even look at various past presidents and leaders that we've had in our own country, and you can point to various prophecies that have came to pass during their tenure, or rather, or in during their time of leadership. And so, whatever happens is for the good of the church. And sometimes God allows it to happen because he knows the end from the beginning. And we must have an attitude of submission to God. So God is not limited in power. He must. He is the one that sets up kings and he sets them down. First Peter 2 and 13, remember this was written during the time of Nero. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. He said, if you can't submit for any other reason, submit for the fact that people are watching you and they know you're a Christian. So what you say or post on Facebook is, is going to be read by all, and people will judge you. Well, if you're a Christian, how can you say that? And the world may not understand it's not hate speech, and it's not necessarily hate speech, but you have to be careful about what you say. Then he goes on, for so is the will of God that with well-doing may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And I'll tell you, I will tell you this, even the leaders that we would not like need prayer even more so. And remember this, that we were not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. So it's not them. We need to pray that the light of God's presence and the revelation of his word shines unto them. 
I believe there are some very dark spiritual forces that are controlling many in leadership and even many in our own country. And these forces are designed, uh, you know, to deceive the nations. And that's what Scripture says will come to pass. But you know what? God knows the beginning from the ending. And a people that is submitted to God will be submitted to the leadership. Remember this, that there's a difference between submission and obedience. We don't obey if it's wrong or against Scripture. But we have to maintain a meek and a kind spirit to all, even those that we may not like. So, amen. That's the word of God. Amen. Stand to your feet, lift your hands right now, and let's thank God for his word. He is worthy.